Somebody ought to give him a I can't forget praise tonight. Woo! Now, how many of you understand that we are oftentimes accused of just a bunch of emotionalism? That's just a bunch of emotionalism and a bunch of hype. But can I tell you that our praise does not originate in our emotions? As a matter of fact, one writer said it like this. He spoke to himself. Tell your neighbor, sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Sometimes you got to command yourself. And one writer in the scripture looked at himself and said, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. His praise did not originate in his emotion, but it originated in his soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. See, baby, that's why I can't bring God some little quiet praise. That's why I can't just sit there with my thumbs uh, rolling in my head, just bobbing a little bit. uh, Because my Bible tells me uh, that I've got to bring my praise uh, with all uh, that is uh, within me. Uh, Every bit of energy, uh, every bit of praise, uh, every bit of everything I've got. uh, Bless the Lord, uh, oh my soul. Sometimes you got to walk in on a Tuesday night uh, when all hell is broke loose against you uh, and you don't feel like giving God the praise uh, and you don't feel like standing up uh, and you don't feel like lifting your hands uh, and you don't listen. uh, God is still worthy uh, whether you're having a bad day uh, or not. uh, You got to talk to yourself. uh, You will get up. uh, You will give God the praise. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. So you got to talk to yourself. But the writer tied something to it. He says it twice, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and I love this forget not all of his benefits one of the reasons some people stop praising him uh, is they got amnesia about everything that God has done for them Uh, they forgot about the hell God brought them out of Uh, they forgot about the addictions uh, that God delivered them from Uh, they forgot about the mess Uh, but when you bring it back to your memory uh, it causes you to say I gotta give him praise Uh, I wish somebody uh, you see that's why we're singing the song what do the words say how can I forget what he's done for me that's the whole reason we're singing this song so I need you to take about two more minutes and I need you to get a praise in your spirit that says how can I forget come on come on Yeah! Somebody sing, how can I? How can I? 
give him a shout of praise. One more time, sing it. How can I forget? What you done for me? Forget praise in this building. I dare some of you. Uh, I know I got my nice dress on, uh, but baby, you don't know where he brought me from. Uh, I got a nice suit and tie on, uh, but baby, uh, you don't know the hell God delivered me out of. Uh, I've got to praise him tonight. Got a reason to praise. Jesus said, if these hold their peace, the rock are gonna cry out. Uh, I don't know about you tonight, but ain't no rock uh, gonna take my place. Uh, high five about eight people on the way to your seat. Uh, tell them I can't forget what he's done for me. Come on, I can't forget what he's done for me. Whoa! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody grateful for everything God is doing in this building? Amen. Sunday when the Holy Ghost finished around here, Jaburi was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. Then Denmom was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Then Jamie was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Then Jacqueline was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Then Zariah was baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost in the water. Then Patricia was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Then Landy was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Woo! Amen. And then in our Port-au-Prince campus, this past 30, Lonis was baptized in Jesus' name uh, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And Sunday, Wilbert was baptized in Jesus' name uh, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm so excited to be part of everything God's doing in this building. Y'all calm down. Y'all can be seated for just a minute. Calm down. Amen. It's so good to see Sister Carrie Ann back home tonight in the house of the Lord. I want you all to help me pray because I believe Sister Carrie Ann is a key to something that God's doing. Sister Carrie Ann for years now has worked with helping people uh, become, helping people get out of difficult situations and become 
what God has intended for them to be. And, and recently, uh, we, we've been having a, 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 a beginning discussion with her. Uh, and there is the opportunity to teach, I, th I think it's about 60 men Bible studies. Is that right? About 60 men Bible studies right now. Amen. And I, I don't know how many women there are, but, but I'm just telling you right now, it's probably well over 100 people total uh, that, that there is an open door for us to continue to reach into our community. And how many of you are going to just say, God, whatever it takes, use me in this season. Come on, is there anybody in the building? Use me in this season, God. And so uh, this is one of the reasons why we have programs like Casting the Net Bible Study where we are preparing Bible study teachers because Jesus did not tell us to pray for revival. Oh, it got quiet in this apostolic church. He said, look to the hills. They're already white unto harvest. You're praying for something that is already yours for the taking. He said, don't pray for harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sent forth laborers into the kingdom. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that's what God said to pray for? Pray for people that are ready to work in the kingdom. Pray for people that are ready to win a soul. Pray for people that are ready to teach a Bible study. Pray for people that are ready to drive a bus. Pray for people that are ready to reach out and fill a bus up with kids. And so we are in the middle with both of our hands as a collective body in the middle of harvest. And I'm so grateful for it. Amen, somebody. How many of you thank God for the great reports coming from Sunday Express? Would you help me give God a great big praise for brother and sister Stewart? And the great vision that God has given this man and, and the talents that he's gifted him with. And we're so excited about how the Lord is using uh, this family I want us to stand all over the sanctuary. This is uh, an awesome, awesome evening already. If we went home right now, we could say that we have been in the presence of God. Amen. And been blessed by the fellowship of the saints of God. But I am so excited tonight to have back with us again, all the way from Elk Grove, California, our dear friends, Pastor Gerardo and Sister Amy Diaz in the house of the Lord. Would you help me one more time? Put your hands together and give them a great big welcome back tonight. How many of you were abundantly blessed by the word of the Lord from this vessel on Sunday? Turn to your neighbor, tell them, bury the bell. Bury the bell. If you don't know what that means, you need to jump online and listen to Sunday's message. What a life-changing word from God. And then Sunday night, the Holy Ghost just blew up in this place. And uh, Pastor Diaz stepped to the pulpit and, and for just a few moments ministered uh, from the topic of in the storm. And we know that it's in the storm that God does some of his greatest works. Amen, somebody. And, and, and I know that God has prepared a word for this house tonight. How many of you knew that God knew you were going to be here? He knew you were going to be here, 
And his word is so powerful that while it ministers to sister so-and-so about this part of her life, it talks to you about something completely different in your life. That's how powerful the word of God is. So it's not just my neighbor, Lord, but it's me tonight. I'm ready for a word uh, for me in this house. Does anybody else feel that way? Uh, one more time, put your hands together. Give God uh, a great big praise uh, as Pastor Diaz comes to deliver the word of the Lord. Come on, Pastor Diaz. One more time. Let's clap our hands unto Jesus right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor and the praise, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is an honor to be here on a Tuesday night and to be with you beautiful people in the house of God, serving and worshiping a great great God. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to first of all say that it has been it has been a pleasure and an honor for my wife and I to be here these past few days and our two beautiful children. Amen. I want to say thank you to my wife for just being her. Amen. I love, love my wife. And uh, also want to say thank you to you, the church, amen, for being so hospitable, and especially your bishop and his wife, brother and sister Williams, thank you so much. They're, they're, now, they're friends to us, amen, but there's something more special to you, and uh, we thank you, my brother. God bless you, amen, and not only to them, but to their wonderful children, Isaac and Judah. We love and appreciate these boys, and... Uh, Isaac, amen, gave me a, a Fort Myers due last night at their home. So he just got his tremors out and got to work, got to helping me out. So Isaac, thank you very much, buddy. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said uh, when it comes to, of course, your bishop and his wife, but then also when you see their offspring. And uh, I don't. I wasn't around uh, when they were little kids, so I don't necessarily know how, how they were, for instance, when they were Oliver's age, uh, four years old. But I do remember a time back when we were in, my wife and I were pastoring in Oakland, and uh, they had come on a trip, and I don't recall their ages at that time. I think maybe they were anywhere between 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, somewhere around there. And uh, I remember that they were getting ready. I think it was for No Limits Conference that they had come. And uh, they, they were getting ready for church. And Judah, I think Judah was like nine. He was, he was nine years old. He comes out prim and proper, all dressed up in a suit. And you can tell he was proud of it. And he goes, he said something like, Isaac, I'm ready. And I was like, ready for what? It's like, for the girls. I'm ready for the girls. <laughs> Got my suit on for the ladies. <laughs> I'm sure he loves me telling that story. Amen. But it is a testimony to see them doing what they were doing. And uh, it is a testimony to their parents. But uh, Rock Church Fort Myers, you have something special here. Amen. You have something special here. 
we sincerely and deeply love the Williams family. Amen. And uh, the reason I'm taking my time in preliminary remarks, uh, and specifically in talking about the bishop and his family here, is because in one way or another, maybe I will get to that portion of it or maybe not. Uh, I do want to follow the, the leading of the Holy Ghost. But I believe that uh, later on in this message here tonight, that it will somehow uh, tie in and, um, and hopefully that it will bring about understanding and wisdom to your life. You know, there's a lot of things that take place when the Word of God is preached. Uh, in fact, Bishop Williams just mentioned it just a few moments ago, that how the Word of God is so amazing that it could be ministering to one person about one thing and at the same time, something radically different is going on in another person's life. And uh, so you never know what is going to happen, amen, with the word of the Lord. But I will tell you this, I, um, I actually came when I flew in, I, I, I thought I already had Tuesday night ready and then I got to thinking about it and praying about it more and uh, I felt a different direction for, for tonight. And uh, I pray that, that it would be a blessing to you. I know this, if you will open your heart. I really believe that God will give you knowledge, wisdom, and understanding here tonight. Amen. And I want you to open the word of the Lord to the book of Ruth, chapter number one. And then we're going to jump to chapter number two. The book of Ruth, chapter number one, and chapter number two. And I do want to say uh, to those, I, I did find out that some of, the, some of my home folk at La Roca uh, tuned in and watched it and uh, the broadcast and online, whatever the case is. So if they are watching, uh, I just want to say, Dios les bendiga, los extraño mucho y uh, regresamos en el nombre de Jesús para continuar avivamiento en español en la roca. And everybody say amen. Amen. Some of you are like, what did he just say? I just said revival. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, Ruth chapter number one, beginning with verse number one. We're going to read to verse number four. When you're there, say amen. The Bible says, now when it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, and his, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of the two, his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there ten years. If you would go ahead and switch over to Ruth chapter number 2. And we're going to begin reading with verse number 5. Then, Boaz, uh, then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. 
And she said, I pray you let me glean and, and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a, a little in the house. And Boaz, uh, then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter, glean not, glean not, to, excuse me, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they should not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Verse number 10, the Bible says, she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing that I am, or seeing I am a stranger? Seeing I am a stranger. I want to preach to you here for a little while tonight on this topic, Ruth's Field of Dreams. Ruth's Field of Dreams. Would you do me a favor? Would you put your Bibles over to the side? Put them right by your side. Would you close your eyes and would you ask God to help you to understand his word here tonight? God, we're thankful for your word that is present, your presence that is here, your anointing that is upon every one of us that is here. God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint ears to hear that you would anoint spirits to receive your word, that you would enlighten the minds and the hearts and the lives of your people and that all those that are here under the sound of my voice, I pray, God, that your word would minister that which you will send it to do in this very moment and in these moments that come to pass. We pray, God, in the name that's above every name, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And let the church say in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. The Bible says in chapter 1, as introduction and in getting us to understand about this book of Ruth, it gives us a couple of phrases that lets us know the, the setting, the backdrop, if you will, of this so important, important book. The Bible says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. This book took place, the happenings, the story of Ruth took place during a time that were very turbulent, that were very uh, tumultuous. They were downright crazy times. When you research and study and understand and try to narrow down more specifically which times of the judges that this took place, it is most mostly considered and agreed upon by scholars that this, this uh, book was written during the time of the judges when uh, Gideon ruled and therefore shortly after that as well. Those of you that know the word of God and have read the book of Judges, you understand that that book is a, it's, a, it's just a crazy book. There's a lot of things that go on in that book. 
Uh, there's good things at times, but when you really consider the Holy Scripture and that book, you understand that it was not the best of days for Israel, for God's people. They had made a lot of mistakes. Not only the people, but the people had made the mistakes because uh, it was the judges that were leading them into mistakes. Many of you remember the story of Samson, a great man, a mighty man, a strong man, but even in his might and in his strength, he made a mistake, a very crucial mistake, something that was abhorred to the people of God and to God himself. When you read the last half of the book of Judges, you will see that there are some just crazy uh, things that happened uh, during that period of time. I mean, it, it, they, they kill people, they slaughter people, they, they cut people into pieces and, uh, and, and then mail out the parts uh, to, to different. I mean, can you imagine just being at home and your mail carrier comes by and you receive a package and uh, it says Amazon Prime and all of a sudden you see somebody's finger right there? A bloodied hand. I mean, some of you are like, oh, that's in the Bible. You better believe it. Go back and read the book of Judges. Read, read the whole thing. But, but look at all the crazy stuff that happened uh, in the last half of the book of Judges. The reason that I mention this to you here tonight is because it is important to understand that, that this, this book of Ruth, the, the story of Ruth, was taking place uh, during those times, during the times when all hell was breaking loose and when the world in Israel's eyes was just, just, just they were losing their mind and they were losing their, their relationship with God. They didn't understand what all was going on. Can I just insert this here to Fort Myers, the Rock Church, and get you to understand? Doesn't matter how crazy the world gets in today's day. I know, amen, I know that, that there's a lot of crazy things going on in our world, uh, hallelujah, and probably more so in the state of California than here in Florida. You, you guys are pretty free here. But you go out to... Now, I love California. I'm a California boy. That's my home. But, but I'm just going to be honest with you. We're living in cray-cray town. I mean, it's a mess. And the United States as a whole, it's a mess. The world is a mess. The past two years have been a mess. But let me tell the enemy something here tonight. It doesn't matter what you try. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Hallelujah. If you're here and you're a guest, you need to understand the power that is in this place. There's hell stopping power that is in this place. Hallelujah. There's a God that defeated the enemy and he's present right now in this place. So it doesn't matter how much hell you've got going around in your life. You're here and the opportunity is here. Hallelujah. You can be delivered tonight. 
There's nothing more important than being in the house of God. There's nothing more important than being in this field tonight. Amen, amen, amen. So it's crazy, crazy times. So crazy that, that it is believed that it was God that sent the famine. The Bible says there was a famine in the land. And the Bible indicates that this was judgment coming upon Israel because of all of the great horrors that they were causing. And uh, the man, Elimelech, then decides to take his family away from a promised land, away from God's country, away from God's will. And unfortunately for him, he found out that running from the famine was not the worst thing uh, or not the best decision that he could have made. He found out that there were other things that could take place that were worse than a famine. The Bible teaches us and shows us that he goes to Moab. He takes him, his family, his children, and there he is faced with something that is worse than a famine. In fact, he himself dies out of God's country, out of the will of God, if you will. And then if that was not enough for Naomi, her two sons marry out of the will of God, out of God's country, and they marry two Moabitess girls. Time goes on, and what happens then? Even the two sons all of a sudden die. And now Naomi is left with two daughters-in-laws outside of the land of promise, thought that the famine was gone, thought that they had escaped the famine, but now, now she is facing her own famine. She is facing something worse than a famine. And let me just tell you, my dear brother and my dear sister, amen, that I understand that not everything in your life may be perfect when you're uh, when you're living for God but can i tell you there are things uh, that are worse that can happen when you make bad decisions, when you make decisions to flee God's country, when you make decisions to not, to not come to the house of God. Can I tell you that there are some things that are worse that can come to pass. Naomi didn't think that this kind of stuff would happen. She thought she was going to find something better uh, under the leadership of Elimelech, her, her husband, and uh, and 
And uh, unfortunately, that's not what happened. I'm reminded of the story of Abraham when he left the famine, thinking that he was going to get away from trouble sometimes. But then all of a sudden, he's caught in a pickle and then almost loses his life. And maybe Sarah almost loses her life because of lies that he tells as he's out of the will of God. And if that wasn't enough, the Bible teaches us when you read further in the book of Genesis uh, that his uh, that lot uh, when it came time for them to part uh, and he, they had to choose which way to go their herdsmen were getting into quarrels and uh, and it was getting a big becoming a deal so so therefore Abram and, and gave Lot uh, the first choice and said hey where do you want to go and the uh, lot goes well how about I go how about I go this direction uh, because uh, uh, it looks like uh, the land of Egypt uh, and if you understand your Bible, you understand that the reason Lot knew what it looked like is because Abram had taken them there uh, some time ago and showed him what it looked like. And because of that, uh, we read the story further and you know what happened uh, to Lot's wife. Uh, what I'm telling you is that when, you, when you're out of the will of God, uh, when you leave God's country, when you leave uh, the place where God puts you, when you leave uh, God's field, uh, they, it may not happen right away. It may take some time and it may not be directly upon you but it may be one of your family members. It may be your children that suffer a great loss. I'm here tonight to, to just speak to somebody's heart and to speak to somebody's mind and get you to understand that it's best to stay in the will of God. That it's best to stay where God sent you and where God planted you. Finally, Naomi decides she decides to go back. She decides to pack up her stuff. Decides, you know what, you girls, you daughters-in-law of mine, y'all need to y'all need to go back to your own families. And the two the two girls wept, the Bible says. They didn't want to leave Naomi. They were pretty much glued to her. They loved her. And Ruth and Orpah are just distraught. And they're trying to convince Naomi to let them go with her. And Naomi goes, no, no, you, you got to just... You got you to gotta go back to your own people. She, goes, she even said, she goes, Yo, what, what are you going to do? You're going to wait? She goes, I don't even have hope of having kids anymore. I'm, you know, she was saying, she's too old. And uh, she said, well, you know, and even if I did have the potential to have kids and I have kids, what are you guys going to do? Wait around until they're old enough and then marry them? <laughs> and so in talking some sense to these girls, Orpah goes, well, you know what? She's right. I mean, I ain't going to wait around. And uh, she decides to go back. And uh, this is just something a little amusing. I was, I was preaching. I preached this message years ago at my church. And we had a family that the mom of the sister of that family, husband and wife, the sister's mom uh, from Mexico would come. And she would always visit, like, during Christmas time. She'd come for, like, six weeks and, and stay with them. And, and uh, we just love the lady. She's a sweet lady. But 
I didn't know her name right up front. I didn't catch her name. Or maybe I caught her name and just forgot it, whatever the case is. So it was during one of the times that she was visiting, and I was preaching this message, and I, I said, you know what, if you're going to name your children, you know, I'm, I'm cool with radical names and stuff like that, but why in the world would you name your kid Orpa? And so in Espanol, uh, les dije, ¿por qué le vas a llamar a tus hijos Orpa? Y uh, so, so I said that. Now, I looked at the congregation and I said, does anybody know anybody named Orpa? I mean, do you, really, do you have family members, somebody named Orpa? And uh, sure enough, right down the middle aisle towards the back, I see a sister and her daughter, teenage daughter, and they are beat red. And uh, I look at them and I said, you're kidding, right? And they're just beat red, just almost just about to fall out laughing because her mother that visits and was not in the sanctuary, her name was Orpa. So for those of you young preachers, be careful what you say. <laughs> Try not to make too, too much fun of names. And uh, so Orpa takes off and goes back to her land. But Ruth says, oh no, your people, they're going to be my people. I'm not letting you go. Your God is going to be my God. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight uh, that has already sealed up the envelope and made up in their mind, uh, hallelujah, that the God of the Rock Church here in Fort Myers uh, is your God too. I wonder if there's somebody here that has already stopped contemplating and made up in their mind and has said, this people is my people too. This is my family of God. I'm not for sale. I'm not going anywhere, Bishop Williams. You can count on me being here. You can count on me being involved. I've made up my mind. I'm going to serve the living God right would you clap your hands unto God if you believe it? Come on, if you've made up your mind, would you give God the highest praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ruth made up her mind. Screen team, if you could help me go to Ruth chapter 2, verse 2. Ruth was devoted. But I want to remind you that Ruth was a stranger. Meaning, not that she just wasn't known. But when the Bible says she was a stranger, it means she did not belong to the people of God. She didn't belong to Israel. She was a Moabitess. Verse 2 of chapter 2, the Bible says, Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field. This is when they get back to God's land. She goes, let me go back to the field. 
Glean the ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. When she came to the kingdom of God, when she came to God's country, when she came to God's field, she didn't just sit off on the sidelines. She didn't just sit there and do nothing. Uh, the Bible shows us uh, this young lady, I don't know how she was, uh, but she was dedicated. She was dedicated. Hallelujah. Can I tell you there's nothing, there's nothing in this world uh, that is so special like a dedicated person to the house of God. I'm telling you, there's a lot of talent on this platform and maybe I'm preaching to some new people. Maybe I'm preaching to new converts and guests. Can I just tell you, the people that are singing and jamming on this platform, they didn't grow up like, they, they didn't just arrive that way. It wasn't just one thing that happened from one night to another. It took time. It took dedication. It took them learning to live for God. And it took, it took the circumstances to come and their dedication to prevail. Hallelujah. And God made them so. They didn't start off that way. They weren't always that anointed. They weren't always that gifted. Hallelujah. I'm praying that somebody gets hope in this message here today. And I want you to understand God is able to do with you. Hallelujah. Great things. You may just be new. You may not have it all figured out. You may not understand why we dance and why we jump and why we hoop and holler. Don't you worry about it. You just get involved. You be dedicated and something in your future, hallelujah, is going to completely blow your mind. Everybody say she was dedicated. Verse number three. She went and came and gleaned the field after the reapers. And notice what it says next. After the reapers it says, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. Her hap was to light on a part of the field that was belonging unto Boaz. Can I tell you that if you're a person that's dedicated to God, you may not understand all the ins and outs, but just like Ruth, she didn't know all that was going on. She was a Moabitess. She didn't understand all the laws that the Israelites had. She knew Boaz was an important figure. I'm sure, I'm sure Naomi told her, but, but Ruth didn't know all of the ins and outs. But guess what? When you're dedicated, you don't need to know all of the ins and outs. When you give yourself to God, you don't need to know the whole Bible before you get baptized. All you need to do is know that Jesus died on a cross for you. And because of that and his resurrection, you can be baptized tonight in the name of Jesus. And he will forgive your sins. It wasn't happenstance, but she was dedicated. And the product of dedication is that somehow God will completely, even behind the scenes, God will maneuver his ways. He will, he will lead you and he will guide you in his ways. If you're just dedicated to him, if you just trust in the Lord, and if you do what is right, and if your heart has been made up and your mind has been made up to stay in in his field. Amen. 
help me as I do my best. I, I'm trying not to be long-winded here tonight. I'm cognizant of the time. If you would jump to verse number 8 with me. The Bible says, Then said Boaz unto Ruth. Notice this. This is now Boaz. This is the landowner. This, there, there's a lot of typology here. Boaz is a type of Christ. And uh, Boaz, the landowner, says unto this Moabitess girl, he says, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Everybody say, go not to glean in another field. Everybody say, neither go from here. The reason that that is so important in their world is because fields and property lines were different in their day than they are in our day. Property lines in our day most of the times are well defined. One of the one of the most majestic views that I've seen in recent years, I was going from uh, Sacramento over to the coast and we were going by a valley. Um, I forgot the name of it. It was just a, a big valley full of fields and the timing of the day, the, the brilliance of the sun was beaming down on this field. I don't even know what they were growing there. It, it wasn't something that grew up too tall but it was, it was just covered with green and the, the rows were so well defined. You, I mean, you can tell they put a lot of time in making those rows clearly defined. And the, the sun was beaming off of that green in this field. And literally, it, it, was, it was almost like this field was glowing uh, with 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 the brilliance of green and the 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 color of the sun, the gold, the yellow, and then because it was already it was already getting more later towards the evening, even some of the some of the crusted orange that comes out, it was a beautiful sight. Uh, amen. It was just amazing. And, and when I think of God's people, when I think of God's God's people, you, His field. I, I, I see that. I, I see the, the brilliance of God shining upon his people. Uh, but, but I want to let you know that, that in Ruth's world and in Boaz's world, uh, when it came to that definition of the lines, it wasn't always that way. In fact, most of the times it was not. What do you mean, preacher? What I mean is, is that most of the times, uh, these families that had their fields, uh, they would actually divide, use uh, uh, rocks and set them on certain areas. Uh, and these rocks were kind of like their boundaries. I'm not talking about them getting a bunch of rocks and just putting them in a line. I'm talking about like, like, like having a big, big field and you only got like uh, maybe six rocks all the way around and 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 then you've got stuff that's growing and you know you know uh, all of the all of the the vegetation that's growing and and a lot of the times when it came to 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 the harvest time you couldn't hardly even see the rocks uh, uh, they were they were they were just they were they were low and and, and the reapers were there 
and uh, they were reaping and then the workers were there. It is this context uh, that the Bible is trying to show us uh, the reason why Boaz was telling, uh, was telling Ruth uh, that, that she needed to be careful and, and make sure that she doesn't go glean uh, in uh, another field. Can I tell somebody here this today? You need to really pay attention to, to the markers of the church, to what defines your church. You need to stay away from the edges or you might find yourself reaping that which you didn't intend to reap. Let me repeat that. You need to stay away from the edges. Stay away from the corners and the edges because you will find yourself reaping things you didn't intend to reap. And this was Boaz's concern to Ruth. She, he, he was telling her, said, look, just make sure that you don't just uh, get too close to an edge, to a corner where you might start reaping somebody else's field. He was trying to protect her. He was trying to make sure that she was protected and that she was reaping the things that were there in that field because he already had an inkling as to what was going on even though she may not have he understood this had to do with her future this had to do with the dreams that she never had in Moab but because she committed herself to the house of God and to this place she understood that he understood that for her this was something that was going to impact her future and even future generation years ago when I was a new convert down in San Diego California I just started going to the church in Santee Morgan's well familiar with and uh, Pastor Young was pastoring the church at that time and it was just a little handful of us and uh in fact, the Hoffer family was already there. There was a gentleman that came from another church. Uh, he was an older gentleman. He was, uh, back then I was, what, I was 20 years old. At that time, the gentleman was probably pushing. He's mid-50s, 60s, somewhere around there. I really don't really remember too much. But, you know, when you're 20 years old, 50 and 60 seems older. I mean, it's older, but you, you think it's old when it's really not old. It's not old, but... But, you know, us 20-year-olds, we just thought we knew everything. And, um, <laughs> but uh, this gentleman was so gifted in, and well-versed in his Bible. He could teach Bible studies. My word, I mean, I, I was convinced. I was convinced he can teach a Bible study to a penguin and convince him to get baptized in Jesus' name in the water. I mean, the man was good. He knew his Bible inside and out. And uh, he came as a... Uh, his, his uh, intention, he told our pastor, was, was to be a help and to be a strength to the pastor and, to, and to just teach Bible studies. He wanted to win souls. He had a burden for souls. You can tell it. And I remember a friend of mine went with him uh, several times on, on these Bible studies that he would teach. And, man, he, he, he didn't have notes. Bishop Williams, he never used notes. He opened up his Bible. You can see markings all over it. You can see notes all over it, highlight and stuff. And he just flipped, boom, boom, boom. I mean, he's going like this, just teaching them. And the people are like receiving the word of God and they're, they're coming to church. I mean, the man was good. 
And uh, my friend and I, we are, we, at that time, we, we had already recognized the call of God in our life to, to preach the word of God. And so, so we were kind of glued to him. And one time, I remember, we had a Wednesday night church service. The power of God was moving. And uh, it, it drew us to the altar, and, and there was conviction in the place and, and consecration. And we were, we were praying, and I remember being right in front of the pulpit, right off to the side on this side. And uh, I was praying, and I was just asking God, God, would you use me and what have you. And then all of a sudden, this gentleman came, and, and he just leaned down right beside me, and, and he began to pray with me. And uh, then all of a sudden, his prayer this turned to counsel. And he began to talk to me. And now you got to remember, I'm still somewhat of a new convert. I've only been in church like under two years. And already accepted my call of God to preach. I already knew that's what I was going to do. And I was a young person. I was 20 years old. And, and the man started speaking into my ear things of this nature. He said, he said you have God's anointing on you. It's recognized. You're so powerful. You have a burden for your people. You have a burden for, for the word of God. He said, your people, I'm almost quoting him, I'm telling you. He said, your people, he's speaking of Spanish-speaking people. He said, your people need you. They need you to go and minister to them. You don't need to be cooped up here. You need to, you need to be able to go and, and reach, reach your people. Now I knew the man lived on a boat. Nice boat. We went on his boat a couple of times. Got seasick and everything. And I knew that he had a desire because he had expressed it to my friend and I, a couple of friends and, and, my, and myself, that he wanted to reach Spanish-speaking people and he had a desire to go to Mexico someday. And now all of a sudden, He's at the altar whispering in my ear, a young, impressionable young man. And he's whispering in my ear things that kind of sound good. I mean, my word, 20 years old, you've been in church less than two years. You already got a call of God in your life. And now someone is confirming Words of supposed wisdom, supposedly from God. He kept speaking and he kept speaking and finally he stopped. And as I began to pray more and more, a part of me in prayer and the other part of me just kind of uh, considering the words that he had said. And I remember so vividly that I continued to pray and pray. And ultimately, I kept praying until I heard, it was almost audible, I heard another voice that says, don't pay attention to what he said. And I got up from that altar call and I knew that what he had said was not from God. The enemy was trying to use somebody from within the flock to get me to leave the flock. 
And can I tell you that if it is a voice from God at this church, it will never tell you to leave the flock as long as there's truth being preached in the house of God. I'm preaching to somebody today. I don't know if somebody's already whispered in your ear, but you hear this preacher tonight. I want you to understand the best thing you can do is what Ruth did and make up in her mind, I'm not going to straddle the fence. I'm not going to get close to the edges because I may end up reaping in somebody else's field. The best thing you can do is make up in your mind tonight. Hallelujah. As for me, in my house we will serve the Lord and we will serve him here in the field where God put us there's a young there's a family in our church right now at LaRocca that years ago he was actually my very first full-fledged convert at La Roca. And uh, excuse me, I'm not going to use too much Spanish here tonight just because of, because of the time. I'm, I'm racing here. I'm trying to finish. This young man, when I first came and took the church, the church was just, it was a mess. It was dead. Well, we knew it needed revival and need, needed life. He was the very first young man that we prayed through. At that time, he was probably uh, 18 years of age, and uh, Honduran young man. We prayed him through the Holy Ghost, and we baptized him in Jesus' name, and just on fire for God, he ended up winning his brother, which was completely against him coming to church, because them two would go out and party together, and they'd go drink it up, and then all of a sudden, he, his, his brother gets converted, and he can't figure out what's going on. He just lost his partying partner, so he's trying to catch him slip up, and it took six months, and he finally was just, just completely blown away. He could not catch his brother in a mistake. So he goes, okay, finally, I'm going to go with you to church. And the young man goes, really? He goes, finally. He's like, okay, come on. And uh, he comes to church, he goes, but watch. He says, I'm going to catch your preacher slipping up. He goes, I'm going to catch him saying something he shouldn't be saying. And then at that point in time, you're going to come back with me. Well, then he came for a few months, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, we're praying his brother through to the Holy Ghost. And his brother, his brother told us the story later. He says, I finally gave in. I couldn't find fault with my brother. I couldn't find fault with the preacher. I finally realized this must be the church I need to be in. He goes, so I just gave myself to God. Both of them are still in church living for God. The first young man, hear me, hear me. The first young man that I just told you about, that one is brother. He's married. Three beautiful children. They have already bought a home. I'm, I, I know it may not be so much of a big deal here in Florida, but, but when you're talking about an immigrant coming from Honduras, going to California, getting married, buying a home, and then get, gaining equity on that home, and then selling that home, and making a good boatload of cash on the sale of that home. Hey, I'm telling somebody, 
the blessing of God, it maketh rich and it addeth no sorrow with it. If you will just make up in your mind to stay in the field where God wants you to stay. I know there's other voices out there. I know there's other places you might could go to, but there's nothing like being in the will of God for your today and especially as you sow the seed in Ruth's field of dreams. You're going to see what happens tomorrow. Another thing you don't know about that story that, that I just skipped that I need to tell you is, is in the year 2008, these two boys were construction guys. In the year 2008 when all of the, you know, the housing, the economy crashed and all that stuff and housing was just a rough mess. I had a group of the people that I inherited from that church that were also workers, construction workers. So I have a whole 20 people that are construction workers. Three of them were ones that I won, that our church won uh, 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 since we had been there. The other 17 or so were, were, were there from before. And I remember they would come almost in droves. They would just come and, and they wanted to let me know that they were struggling because they couldn't have jobs. They, they couldn't get jobs. Everything had dried up. There was a famine in the land. There was no work. And I remember telling every single one of them, every single one of those families, you got to pray. Are you faithful to God? If you're faithful to God, you're faithful to the church, you pray and God will provide. I mean, it was that simple. I knew God would provide for them. Family by family. Left to Arizona, left to Texas, where there was work, except three. These 200 boys and then one Mexican. Those three, they, they took the advice of their pastor and they stayed and they prayed and they were faithful to the house of God. And I, I don't know how. But, but 17 others took off to another state saying they couldn't find work. And the three that I'm telling you about stayed in the field. And God kept them working. They didn't have a break when it was rainy season. They had more work. Even today, you get it to rain, these boys are still more busier than ever. Blessed financially, blessed spiritually, good guys, good men, good families. Because somewhere in their mind they made up, they, they made up their mind, I'm going to stick with the word of God. I'm going to stay here where I can build some dreams. There may be a famine. I may not like it all the time. But if I trust God and I don't go anywhere else and I shut off the voices that are trying to pull me away, I will find something here and God has raised them up. One of them is already a preacher. He preaches while I'm gone. The other ones are head usher. You can't tell me that the Bible doesn't work. Music, music would you come? So, Ruth, verse number 9, chapter 2. The Bible says, he said, let thine eyes 
Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. And go thou after them. He's speaking of the hired servants that were already there. And he's telling Ruth, Ruth, when you're in the field, you got to stick to the people that have already been there, that know where the boundaries are at. And you stick close to them. He even said, he said, have I not charged thee that the young men, that, that, that those workers, that they don't harm thee? He says, trust them. He says, they're not going to harm you. I'm telling you, church, I don't know who I'm speaking. I, I think I'm speaking to a group of people that, that, that need to understand. If you trust God, if you will simply trust God, God is going to make sure you're even protected. There's no harm that's going to come to you. He provides protection and he says, and when thou art athirst, when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. He says, I'm not going to have you off to the side as some little laborer. He says, you're going to drink of the same drink. You're going to drink of the same well. I'm telling you, God is not stingy with his blessings. God has blessed your bishop and his wife and his family. God wants to do that to you too. There are other people in this church that are blessed in many ways. God wants to bless everybody in the same way in this church. And then finally, verse number 14, if you would jump to verse number 14. Boaz said unto her, said, Ruth, when it's time to eat, now I want you to get this. In that kind of a scenario, when it was time to eat, you got to think of these. You got to think of these landowners. These were the wealthy, and when it was time to eat, they'd have servants in their house, and the family proper would sit down around the table and eat, along with any other family, maybe cousins, whatever the case is. But that was usually just it, unless there was a dignitary around. They would invite them to eat. The table was set for special people. I love your VIP room. It was set for VIPs only. And Boaz says, when it's time to dine, at mealtime, come thou hither. And eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn. He reached her parched corn, and she did eat and was sufficed. Let me show you something. I want you to stand. When it says that he reached her parched corn, he is Boaz. They're sitting at the table of plenty. Blessing for VIPs. And Ruth is there. And he gets parched corn. 
and he reached her parched corn. It literally means he got of it and he said, Ruth, open your mouth. Nobody got that treatment but Ruth. He literally hand-fed her. It was the greatest symbol of favor, blessing, and acceptance. The Bible doesn't say that the workers were there for no reason. He was showing everybody in the house and the important managers of the fields, this is my daughter. She is now one of us. And I want to finish by preaching for just one more moment. The very last scripture that we read. Chapter number 2. Can you put it up there? I think it was chapter number 2, verse number 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing that I am a stranger? And what she didn't really understand is that she was no longer a stranger. She was now being grafted in to the body. This was so powerful that in this moment when she didn't realize what was going on, when you look at Bible history, you will not find another book of the Bible in the Old Testament that is named after a former stranger. Let's go a little bit further. Ruth was grafted in and embedded so much in the family that from that lineage she was King David's great grandma a stranger but not a stranger anymore I'm preaching to you about Ruth's field of dreams and I'm preaching to you now that what happened with her is set as an example to everybody that is here that if you would make up your mind that you're going to stay in the field of dreams where God called you. God is going to do great things. I don't know what you're used to on Tuesday night, but this is what God put on my heart for your Tuesday night. I'm praying that somebody would come to this altar that can make up in their mind, this is it, this is my home. I'm planting my future here. I'm going to give. I'm going to sow the seed here like Ruth did. I'm going to be dedicated. I'm going to be determined. I'm going to raise up a family here. I'm going to 
find my spouse here. I'm going to raise my kids here. I'm going to give it all right here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look anywhere else. I'm going to stay in the field where God called me. Is there anybody in the house tonight? Is there anybody here under the sound of my voice that wants and desires the blessing of God so much that you're able to just put everything aside and wholeheartedly commit to the field of dreams of your future. Would you raise your hands? Would you commit unto the Lord? If you're here and you need the Holy Ghost, God can fill you right now. If you want to become a part of this body, hallelujah, you can be. If you're not born again yet, you can receive the Holy Ghost right now. And you can be baptized in the name of Jesus because we are baptized into one body. Would you lift your voice in commitment to him? Come on, he wants to hear your voice. Don't pray silently. Let God at least, let God hear your voice. Forget about your neighbor right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forget about your neighbor. This is between you and God. This is between you and the will of God.
Oh, 